Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Good morning and happy Monday. Welcome to the SB Nation NFL show. This is a Monday football Monday. Today is Monday, July 31st. July is officially like behind us. It's so crazy to think that August is here tomorrow. And so as you can see, I am Rachel Prevet. I'm not RJ Ochoa. I'm usually behind the glass for Monday football Monday. I'm also an audio producer for Bleeding Green Nation covering the Philadelphia Eagles. But RJ Ochoa is out for today. And so today, I will be joined by some new faces. This is going to be the new Monday Football Monday crew moving forward. Of course, RJ Ochoa will be returning after this week, but I'm so excited to announce that we have some new faces joining us on Monday Football Monday. But before I even introduce them, I just want to you know remind you guys that you guys can tune in anywhere you stream or anywhere you get your podcast. Also, just a reminder that this is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. But like I mentioned, the time is now. I'm going to bring in our new Monday Football Monday crew members. One of uh, these one one of these individuals is one of my favorite co-hosts. He was on the QB Factory reboot with me on Bleeding Green Nation. And so it's the one and only Mark Schofield, QB expert. What's up, Mark? Rachelle, my friend, how are you? Long time no see. Long time no see. I'm so happy to be back doing a show with you every single week moving forward. I know. I'm very excited, but I'm also excited, as as you well know, you and I are huge fans of fall, the season. Yes. And as you have probably seen, I was in the grocery store just the other day, and there's Halloween stuff out. Oh, God. There's Halloween stuff out already. I know your hype. I mean, I was at at home, and there were the huge, you know, massive ghouls and goblins. All the Halloween decorations are out. So I am extremely excited, but I'm also extremely excited to be here, to be doing a yes. show with you, and to be doing a show with the person you're about to introduce in a, introduce in yes. a second. Another familiar voice. If you tuned in last week to Monday Football Monday, this person won the MF Double MVP award. And so let's see if he can do it again this week. But the one and only JP Acosta. What's up, JP? How are you? Happy Monday. I'm doing great, guys. Happy Monday. Thanks for having me back. I'm going to try for another repeat campaign, but I kind of realized that the Hall of Fame game is Thursday and that kind of broke my brain because like we're so close to actual football being played. But at the same time, like, wow, this is actually like happening in like a few days. Yeah. 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 We've been clamoring for it. 
Yeah, I mean, I know we're clear. I was actually telling my wife yesterday. It's like everybody's so excited to have football back. And I'm like, but where did the summer go? Like mm-hmm. the summer seems to be it's, it's August is tomorrow. Yes. Like, like I was just telling Richelle, like we're seeing Halloween stuff. It's just a few days or weeks away until we're gonna see Christmas stuff in the stores. Like it just it's just flying. It's flying by. I have no idea where the vacation time went. I had no idea where the summer went, but I am excited to get back into football. Yeah. So speaking of that, you know, the dead period is behind us. We already had week one of training camp that is in the in the books. And so moving forward, you know, training camp week two is underway. And so there are so many storylines to get into. Um, And so but first, I wanted to ask you guys just a fun question before we even get into the storyline. What was the last movie that you watched? Oh, man. Last new release or last just movie? Anything. It can be random. It can be anything. New, old, whatever. Because we watched uh, Harry Go- Harry Potter and the Goblin of, Goblet of Fire okay. with the kids uh, Friday night. That was the last movie we watched uh, okay. as a family. Last new movie, man, it's been a while. My wife and I have been dying to get out to see the new Mission Impossible, Oppenheimer, and mm-hmm. the new Indiana Jones. We haven't got a chance to do that yet. Maybe soon. I don't know. Okay. What about um, you? I think we, the last movie I watched was my family. We actually went and watched The New Little Mermaid, which actually oh. rocked. My baby sister loved it, which is really all that matters. But it was really fun. That was the most fun I've had watching a live-action Disney movie, like, ever. But I am going to try and get out, do, maybe do a little Barbenheimer action. Okay. You know, yeah. Back to back with that. But, uh, but yeah, the last one I watched was uh, Little Mermaid. Okay. What about you, Rochelle? I went and saw Barbie on Friday. Okay. And- Super, super pressed. It was actually really, really good. It's not a kid's movie. I will say it's not really for kids, but it was a good movie. I'm glad that I got to, you know, do a little solo trip on Friday. So that was nice. But Go to the movie solo was awesome. Like, I absolutely love that. Like, I love it. It's nice. I might have to do that for Oppenheimer because I don't know if anybody else in my family wants to see it. Yeah. <laughs> I would have to set aside like six hours to do it or something like that. But go to the movie solo was awesome. Yeah, yeah I'm going gonna, gonna to probably go solo for a new TMNT movie. Because okay. the cast is awesome. So yeah. I'm, I'm excited to watch that ever since they released the first trailer. Okay. That'll be nice. But, you know, the reason that everyone is tuned in is to hear about football. And so let's get into football. And so there's so much to talk about. But I think I want to touch on some of these injuries first. And so most recently, you know, um, Indianapolis Colts rookie quarterback, Anthony Richardson had a procedure on his nose on Sunday. And so it's supposed to be to correct his nasal septum. And so this means that he's going to miss practice on Monday, which is today. And they don't know when he's going to be expected to return, but hopefully Tuesday supposed to be like a minor procedure. And so from my QB expert, is this something that Colts fans should be concerned about? I think it's something that the rest of the NFL should be worried about because he was so athletic to begin with. Now he's going to be able to breathe. Like he's going to be able to breathe effectively. Like Anthony Richardson made more powerful. That's something that should scare the other 31 teams. No, it's, this is a minor thing. It's probably just to create a, a correct, a deviated septum, which again, will allow him to breathe through his nose a little bit easier, a little bit cleaner. Um, like I said, I, I think it's something that's going to unlock even a more powerful version of Anthony Richardson, which I, for one, am very excited to see. I don't know if JP is going to be excited to see that, you know, twice a season as a Jacksonville Jags fan, but I'm excited to see it. Look, man, if he can run a 4-4 while not being able to fully breathe, imagine what he's going to do when he's able to actually, like, use every amount of his body to get air in. Like, it's still it's still wild to me. Like, 
Anthony Richardson as a quarterback is who he is because we haven't really seen a quarterback into the league like this since maybe Cam Newton. I mean, Josh Allen was probably the closest thing, but Josh Allen wasn't running four fours at 250 pounds. And, and JP, you saw him in person at his pro day. Like, remind the gentle listeners what it's like watching him up close. It is insane. I think when you watch him throw the ball, it's just kind of like an effortless like flick. A flick of the wrist, and that ball's going 60 yards. I think he does a lot of stuff with his pocket movement, his pocket ability. I was talking to his quarterback trainer, um, Denny Thompson, and he talked about just like the amount of work that he's put in to become a more refined passer, not just being able to do the 1% stuff, but the pocket movement, the ability to throw it touch, that's stuff that he's still improving on. But you can see it when you're watching him. Like that is a absolute freak of nature. I mean, they listen to, I think at his pro day, he was like 244. But if you look at him up close, it looks like he's like 220. You could probably add more weight onto that frame if you really wanted to. So really what the Colts are getting is the, it's like a create your own adventure. You're creating your own quarterback at this point. You can turn him into whatever you want. And if you can turn him into one of those top 1% quarterbacks who can make every throw in the book, you can do something with him for a very long time. Yeah. And so, you know, like we guys said, we already said like it's minor injury. And so it shouldn't be something that's, you know, concerning, but we're just going to continue to monitor that. And I'm sure he'll be back soon, but there were a couple more injuries that happened as well. And so Joe Burrow, this is crazy because he was carted off the field after he went down with a non-contract uh, contact injury on Thursday. And so he was seen like grabbing his lower uh, leg before he was removed from that session. And so their head coach, uh, Zach Taylor, he actually spoke after practice and he was just explaining how, you know, he's dealing with a calf injury and it's confirmed by, you know, ESPN that he suffered a strained calf. And so this is interesting to monitor because this if it affects him throughout the remainder, you know, throughout the season, the entire division is going to look different when it comes down to the um, uh, AFC North. And so what are you guys thoughts on his injury and how that could play out and affect, you know, the season and the Bengals outlook in the season? Yeah, I think with Joe Burrow's injury, I think one of the things that it affects the most is that pocket movement, the stuff that Joe Burrow is the is one of the best in the league at. With a strained calf, whatever whatever they called it, they called I think they called it a strained calf. I'm not sure what exactly the injury is. That's going to put a lot of hindrance on his mobility behind an offensive line that is still in the process of being reworked. They went and signed Orlando Brown this year. Jonah Williams is probably going to play right tackle, maybe, but they're still reworking through that offensive line. I think having Joe Burrow's pocket mobility is kind of a mitigation to that problem of adjusting the offensive line. But if he can't do that, then that's probably a little bit more of a problem. But I don't think it's going to be super major to the point where it's going to be something that lingers throughout the entire season. I think catching it now is probably the best thing to do. I, would, I wouldn't plan on seeing him at all in the preseason. He does not have to play a snap. I think he knows the offense inside and out. I think he's he knows he knows how to get a rapport with Jamar Chase T Higgins. You don't have to see him play in the preseason, but it is going to be something worth watching in the regular season if his pocket mobility is kind of hindered by this calf injury. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with, with a ton of what JP said there. I think the only thing that might concern me if I were a Bengals fan is, as JP talked about, they're sort of still reworking that offensive line. And training camp's a good time to get down that sort of chemistry, not with the receivers, because that's built in, like JP just said, but with the offensive line, like the offensive line getting to understand his pocket movement, his pocket mechanics, where he likes to be, where he gets to on his drops, you know, because that's a big part of protecting the quarterback. It isn't just making sure you finish your blocks. It's understanding his escape mechanisms, where he gets to on his drops. You know, if it's a five-step drop, he's going to be here. If it's a seven, he's going to be here and on down the line. And so getting that feel down, I think, is going to be part of the process or was going to be part of the process for the Bengals this offseason. And so, you know, that's something that they'll have to work on when he's cleared to come back. When that is, we don't know. Um, you're here in several weeks. You know, there's murmurings. You look at Vegas numbers and odds, and it seems like Vegas is anticipated. Maybe he's on, you know, maybe he's not available week one. And so that's going to be something to monitor too. But I think the main thing is as part of that process of figuring out their best five in front of them, that chemistry between offensive line and quarterback Joe Burrow, that's something that they're going to be behind the eight ball on as we get closer to the regular season. Yeah. And they did actually end up uh, signing a uh, quarterback Reed Sinet, a uh, familiar face as well. Um, so Mark, what should I guess like uh, Bengals fans know about reason it he's there to hand off dirt inside run during training camp and that's pretty much it i mean he's basically just the camp arm i mean trevor simeon is probably going to be you know qb2 for them you know does jake brown and make the roster as a practice squad qb3 type this, this was just you know as we know simeon you know tiny flashes here and there but you know he's just to add for training camp, a camp arm, a camp body to help with drills, run some, you know, practice squad stuff, run some scout team stuff. Like this is just for the minor purposes of getting through the next couple of weeks and making sure you've got enough quarterbacks to run what you need to run each day of practice. There. Another injury. It's just crazy the fact that you just think, you know, first week of training camp and all of these players are getting injury, like the worst thing you could ever wish for. And so, uh, all pro cornerback Jalen Ramsey for the Miami Dolphins. Another serious one that is just so sad to see injured his knee on Thursday. And so initially it was uh, reported that it was only going to be an estimate of, you know, six to eight week recovery. But then uh, one of the former head doctors for the NFL actually tweeted out that it looks like he could be out for most of the season. And so that's really, really sad. How is that going to affect the Miami Dolphins? Yeah, I mean, this is a pretty big injury. I mean, when you look at the different things that Jalen Ramsey can do schematically, the different types of receivers and tight ends even that he can match up with, and you start thinking about what they're going to face, not just in you know the AFC East this year, because I think in the AFC East, you might see two teams that run a lot of 12 personnel this year. You might see the Buffalo Bills sort of lean into that with Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox. You might see the New England Patriots lean into that as well. You know, with Mike Giusecki and Hunter Henry, and he's the type of player that you can put him on a corner, you can put him on a tight end. He matches up with a number of different types of body types at the offensive positions, the offensive skill positions, and you lose that. I know they brought in Eli Apple, but, you know, that you're not replacing Jalen Ramsey and his skill set and the things he can do defensively and the things he can do you know, for the Miami Dolphins, you know, under, you know, defensive coordinator Vic Fangio with an Eli Apple. You know, they've got some other talented players in there. You know, they've got some other talented players in the secondary, but this is a loss that I think the Dolphins are going to feel this year. I think it's a lot bigger of a loss than the other injuries we've talked about, mainly because one of the more underrated talking points about this Dolphins defense is the entire philosophy 
and schematic shift they're going to undergo with Vic Fangio as defensive coordinator. You're not going to be seeing the same Dolphins defense that was very cover one predominated, very man reliant, like with uh, Brian Flores and Josh Boyer. It's going to be a whole lot different of a defense, especially up front, where they're going to have to go through a lot of front changes, a lot of schematic changes up there. But the, one of the guys that had experience in that Vic Fangio style of defense is Jalen Ramsey. He would kind of ease that transition during the season because the secondary is going to be playing a whole lot of different stuff. They're not going to be playing as much cover one, cover cover three anymore. There's going to be a lot of quarters. I think this Jalen Ramsey injury is going to force Cam Smith to play a lot earlier, especially if Eli Apple just isn't what we what they think Eli Apple's going to be, which odds are like probably isn't going to work out, but we'll see. I just, it's a very tough injury, especially for the Dolphins aspirations to miss him for the first, probably half, first three quarters of the season. And they expect him to be a hundred percent ready by the time you're gearing up to make a playoff run. It's going to be really tricky. Yeah. And especially like JP, you mentioned the schematics here under Fangio, like you look at, how Brandon Staley used Jalen Ramsey in years past. And it's going to be a similar type defense. And you put him in that sort of star alignment in that quarters type of defense that we're expecting to see a lot from them this year. He's again, asked to do a lot and he's got so much experience in it and running it. And now you're going to have to ask somebody else to do that, whether it's Cam Smith, whether it's, you know, Keon Cross and Eli Apple to sort of serve in that capacity, serve in that role. It's a big ask. And, and, you know, quarterback is kind of like, you know, secondary, it's kind of like one of those weak like position groups that you see smart people like Eric Eager and others talk about where like, you know, you might have three great players now in the secondary or four great players and five on the field, but offense is going to find that one weak link. And when you remove Ramsey from that equation, like all the links in that chain is going to get a little bit weaker as a result. And it's going to be a problem when you think about all the offenses and all the passing games and all the receiver and tight end groups they're going to go up against this year. That's going to be tough for them to overcome. I will say a, a name that non-Dolphins fans should probably watch out for with Jalen Ramsey being out is Cater Kuhu. Uh, Darth Cater. Uh, Dolphins fans love Cater Kuhu. I think he's a very fun player. Very interesting. He played a lot of nickel, played a lot of outside as well. So if they want to move Cater Kuhu to the inside with Jalen Ramsey out, or maybe if they want to play him outside, it'll be interesting to see where he lines up. But it is going to be, like you said, all the links in the chain are now moving up. So now your weakest link is somebody who probably – wasn't going to see a lot of snaps. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see what Vic Fangio does with this defense without having Ramsey for maybe the first nine, 10 weeks of the season. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's 
S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And moving away from some of these injuries, let's get into some of this beef that's going on. And so Aaron Rodgers, the diva that he is, always in the media. We just love it. Uh, He wants Sean Payton to keep my coach's name out your mouth, pretty much, is what he said. And so what is going on with this drama and foolishness, But you know, with Hackett and all of that, him defending him? Like, why? Is this all necessary? What's Aaron Rodgers going to do if <laughs> Nate Hackett's name out of his mouth? What is Aaron Rodgers going to do? That's, that's the first thing that I thought when he said, keep my coach's name out of your mouth. Or what? Like, what are you going to do? You're going to read a book to me and make me bored? Aaron Rodgers isn't going to fight. He's not going to win that fight against no. Sean Payton. Sean Payton probably fights dirty. He throws pocket sand at people. Um but in all seriousness, I think it is very funny that they're going to bat for a guy in Nathaniel Hackett who isn't that great of an offensive coordinator. Like, if we look, go back to his times, even outside of Denver, which was a complete and utter disaster, like even if you want to throw away that first year as a play caller and a head coach, his best years as a coordinator were with the Jaguars, and the Jaguars weren't even above average as an offense. So you're kind of wondering, like, is this – Hackett experience going to is this going to actually work offensively or is Aaron Rodgers going to call his own plays because the Aaron Rodgers offense might not be as successful with Aaron Rodgers calling the plays so on a football level like I understand why you go like yeah keep my coach's name out your mouth yada 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 what are you what are you gonna do what's you're not actually gonna fight him I, I don't know. I mean, get yourself a friend like Aaron Rodgers. I mean, going to bat for Nathaniel Hackett. Like, if you're going to get a friend, like, get somebody like Rodgers, who apparently, you know, you could have some ups and downs in your life, some ups and downs in your career. You can get blasted by Sean Payton for being one of the worst coaches in NFL history, and he's still going to get your back. Like, I need a friend like Aaron Rodgers in my life. And so I kind of appreciate that aspect to it. But yeah, I mean, and let's not forget, I, I I keep reminding people there's all this excitement and all this hype about the New York Jets this year. And I get it. They were almost a playoff team last year with pretty bad quarterback play. Let's just put it that way. Like Zach Wilson was not good last year. And their, their quarterback play was near the bottom of almost any offensive metric. So there's you're at an Aaron Rodgers. Understandably, excitement about a young roster with Aaron Rodgers. But their first eight games? Six playoff teams in their first eight. And the two non-playoff teams, Bill Belichick and the Patriots, and oh yes, the Denver Broncos and Sean Payton. And that's at Denver, which is obviously a tough place to play. I mean, they start off with the Bills, the Cowboys, and that's at Dallas, the Patriots and the Chiefs. Then they go to Denver. Then they host the Eagles. That's their first six games. Then the bye. Then it's Giants and Chargers. Like, that's a tough way to start the season. And so... You know, the Jets, you know, they're talking a lot right now and there's excitement and I get it and they're beefing and it's great. And that week five game is now going to be must watch. I mean, it's a 425 Eastern start between Denver and the Jets. That's going to be the game of the week. We know it. What happens if they go like three and five or four and four or five and three out of the gate? Like that schedule, that might be impressive, but it might not be enough in the AFC given how deep it is. When does, I think to add on to that, when does Aaron Rodgers start to lose it like when does when does this whole thing kind of fall apart 
Like it's. I mean, that's just it, apart, right? That's usually before the bye week. Like, yeah, I mean, that's just it. When you start with that schedule, like, what's the back page of the New York Post look like if they're like two and two out of the gate? <laughs> and you know, it, it's all fun in the Big Apple right now. But if they're like two and two, or you know, God forbid, one and three. That back page is going to look a lot different when it does right now. What's Aaron Rodgers? What are those media scrums going to be like? Like, again, I've got a lot of Jets fans that are friends. Of course, maybe this is partially the New England Patriots fan in me coming out a little bit. But like, careful what you wish for. This could turn quickly. Oh, I think it is going to turn quickly. <laughs> I think this. I think this is a disaster waiting to happen. <laughs> I, I do not believe in Nathaniel Hackett as a play caller. They're going to have him sitting up in the. Uh, I think they're having him sit up in the uh, press box. In the, uh, which post- is always a good sign, right? When you put the play call up there, your, your uh, best players or your quarterback's best friend just sitting up in the rafters like Sting, calling plays down to somebody who will then relay the plays to Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that's always a great sign, great chain of command going there. But I will say, I think Robert Sala would probably have me a little bit more intimidated if I was Sean Payton than Aaron Rodgers. I don't think Sean Payton wins that fight against Robert Sala in week five. I, if they're gonna if they're gonna fight, they need it needs to happen like post game or pre game week five. Somebody got to get slapped. I'm, speaking I'm, of speak, speaking of coach beef, what what are the results of your coach battle royale <laughs> poll? Uh, let me let me pull them up. I haven't done the second round yet. I'll probably do the second round today. For those of oh. you that that don't know what I'm talking about, JP, JP like had an auto seed done all 32 NFL head coaches in one on one battles. And who would win a fight? So and, and that first, first round matchup that you had with Ryan's and what was it, Sala? It was D'Amico Ryan's and Dan Campbell. Oh, Dan. Two, that's just two that's just brutal first, first round. round. That's so, like a final four matchup right there. The first round went uh, first matchup was Mike McCarthy versus Mike McDaniel. And in a little bit of an upset, Mike McDaniel, 52% of the vote. Mike McDaniel wins that fight. Uh a lot of these, I will say, I don't think people understood that this is a fight. Yeah, because a lot of people, because that's right, because it was Belichick and Salah. And people were voting one. for Belichick. And it's like, what? No, Belichick's not winning. I love Belichick. I don't think he's winning that fight against that. No, I think Salah's like bench pressing him. Yeah. Uh, no. next one, Kyle Shanahan took out Todd Bowles, 56% of the vote. I don't think I don't think any of the Shanahan McVay tree can fight. I'm sorry. No. I don't no. think any of them can fight. And, uh, and you know Todd Bowles has like that sort of like uncle dad strength you know he's, he's got, gonna win that he's got unk strength you don't you yeah. don't want to mess with him uh sean payton uh defeated jonathan gannon which of course okay Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen got a close one over josh mcdaniels uh john harbaugh just destroyed brandon staley in this he got 84 percent of the vote which is insane uh, wow. Robert Sala came back in the later in the later rounds after Jets Twitter found it. He did he did move on. Okay, good. Dan Campbell got sixty six percent of the vote. It was a little it was a little bit more of a pull away than I thought it would be. I'm surprised by surprised that. Surprised that D'Amico only got thirty four. Yeah. Uh, Mike Vrabel beat Kevin O'Connell very easily. Ninety three percent of the vote. I was just saying that's a ninety ten split. Then Mike Tomlin got ninety two percent of the vote against Frank Reich. Uh, Sean McDermott. Barely beat out Nick Sirianni. Eagles Twitter found this tweet, and they were riding hard for their crazy Italian coach, which I respect. But mm-hmm. Sean McDermott is a former wrestler. He's got the ground game. He is very much like if this fight goes to the ground, he's winning. 
Um, Pete Carroll took out Arthur Smith. Pete Carroll, very sneaky in this in this tournament. I feel like Pete Carroll knows like different forms of um, martial arts that only like four other people on the universe in the universe know. Listen, he's had like a knee replacement. Yeah, but he's also like very weird. And like you can That's never true. turn out weird old people because they know like ancient martial arts techniques from like the 1200s. Um, like his his pro comparison is Dalton from uh, Street Fighter. You you don't want to mess with him. Kevin Stefanski defeated Matt Eberflus. I really couldn't care less about that. That's kind of a mid major battle. Uh, yeah. Brian Dayball took out Zach Taylor, which yeah, very understandable. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I feel like he's gonna he's gonna lean on the power game there. Yeah. Uh, Andy Reid, sixty eight percent of the vote moves on against Sean McVay again. None of that McVay tree. That McVay Shanahan, they're not. Yeah. They can't fight. Uh, Ron Rivera took out Shane Steichen, 74% of the vote. And then that. Doug Peterson defeated Matt LaFleur, 76% of the vote. So round two will be happening um, later on today. And the marquee on that is Robert Fallon against John Harbaugh and then Dan Campbell, Mike Vrabel. Oh, that is group of death right there. That's group of death stuff right there. I that, mean, that Campbell was D'Amico Ryan's Dan Campbell, Mike Vrabel, and Kevin O'Connell. That is oh. that is group of death. That's a tough draw for O'Connell, too. <laughs> I mean, those are three people you could say could probably win this, and O'Connell's in there. Like, what am I doing here? That's like the 16 seed seeing like Kentucky, Duke, and like Kansas UNC. all in yeah. this little same area. Yeah. What am it's I like, gonna do? Really? I'm in this quadrant. Like you couldn't receive me anywhere else. Yeah. I did want to keep it spicy. Something else that's happened recently, a little bit of um, drama with Chiefs star Travis Kelsey. And so I personally think this was some big loser energy, but I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on it as well. Uh, He threw a left-handed punch at um, Jake Cochran. Uh, Jack Cochran. And so this was on Saturday's practice. And this wasn't the first time that we've seen Kelsey getting a little bit physical. And so he did end up tweeting out, like, got to be a better teammate, got to be a better leader, plain and simple. And so he's just been in the media a lot. And I feel like he's going more down, like farther down on my radar because I just I'm not here for it. I feel like some of the stuff he does is just for attention. But what are you guys' thoughts on like this little incident that happened in training camp practice? Training camp doesn't start until the fight happens. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. kind of it's it's kind of necessary. Like it, I mean, I'm surprised. Like it, I'm surprised it happened before the pads fully went on. Did they, they didn't have full pads on? Did they? They were. I think watching the video, they were kind of in full pads. It looks like it looks like they were in full. But were they shows? Like, it was like a little light. They started a week earlier. That's yeah, true. Maybe they were. But yeah, I mean, JP's right. Trader camp doesn't start until the first bunch is thrown. I mean, I, I, I think I think the bigger question from Rachel, Rachel's getting to is, is, is the vibe kind of turning on Kelsey? Like, I feel like the whole, like, everybody doubted us. Like, we were underdogs in the Super Bowl. It's like, you know, we talked about that, you know, in Slack. We were like, they were like preseason Super Bowl favorites. Like pretty much everybody said they were one of the best teams in the league. Most people said they were probably going to win the AFC. Like it's like Kirby Smart, you know, at Georgia saying everybody counted us out. Nobody counted you out. Like <laughs> so, I, I feel like the same thing's happening with Kelsey. Like, dude, we we get it. Like you, you want to like fire up the locker room and fun. And yeah, maybe some people along the way maybe said Cincinnati would win or another team might win. But like, you guys were pretty much favorites going in, and I think that has kind of changed the Kelsey vibe a bit. He's also old now, which <laughs> trash talking doesn't hit as much when you're old now. Like, he, 
you've been in this league for a, for a long time, man. Why are you talking trash to me? Like you, true. Like you, there's no reason for this. You, there's no reason to start throwing punches at a uh, at a training camp at this this old age. Not at all. Like really? Hey, relax a little bit. I do I think the, the training camp video that I saw that was really funny of a fight was in, in Brown's camp when Ugo Karankwo kind of uh, playfully slapped James Hudson's helmet and they ran away like the little brother during a fight. James Hudson was not for that. He was not for that at all. And they got to throw him down. I thought it was hilarious because Ugo Karankwo clearly thought they were just playing. And James Hudson was not about that life. He was, he was ready to throw down. He sprinted after him, and that was the funniest part. I mean, I think the thing to keep in mind is when we get joint practices, that's yeah. what it gets. That's when you're really I mean, real yeah. fight. Remember Donald last year? You know, John yeah. Snow style <laughs> with the helmet against the entire Rams. I mean, yes. the entire Regulars offense team. Yeah, I mean, this that this helmet like four yeah. about to slam down Mjolnir on some poor running back. That'd be the most terrifying thing I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. If yeah. Aaron Donald wielding a helmet was ready to swing down with like the fury of every God known to man. You're incinerated if that yeah. happens. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a end of story moment. Yeah. Very, very embarrassing. Um, I want to take it back to the jets though. And so we have some running back movement or just talk something to look out for, you know, with Dalvin cook, uh, maybe possibly going back to the Jets. And so, you know, he visited their training camp practice. I think that was on Saturday. And so what type of impact could you guys see with him being in their backfield? You know, they still have Brees Hall, um, younger player, but what are your thoughts on just the possibility of him landing with the Jets? I mean, the AFC is just a, an arms race. I mean, that's what it is right now. And I, I think if you're the Jets, you might be kicking the tires down because you don't want Dalvin Cook going to the Dolphins or going to the Patriots. Um, I obviously look wherever Dalvin ends up, I think he's going to add, you know, more than just a little something to that offense. He's a fantastic player, a fantastic running back. I think he'd be a great fit in Miami. I think he'd be a great fit with the Jets. You know, from the Jets' perspective, maybe this is a bit of a hedge on Brees Hall and his injury, which he's coming back from. But let's not forget, he was probably going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year until he got hurt, and then. His teammate Garrett Wilson ended up winning it, which is, again, part of the reason there's such excitement over the Jets. I think wherever Cook ends up, it's going to be fascinating to watch. The whole running back story, and JP's written a ton about this and done a ton of great work on it, is just – I think that might be the biggest overall theme of the NFL this year is, like, what is happening with the running back position? Because now we've got Jim RSA basically saying, oh, Jonathan Taylor's, like, got a broken back, and so we're not going to give him a new contract. And Taylor's out there like, what? No, I don't. What are you talking about? Uh, so maybe he gets traded. Maybe he and JP, you know, wrote about potential destinations for Jonathan Taylor. But the whole running back story right now, I think it's going to be a massive theme of this season. I think I kind of get the Dalvin Cook the Jet, to the Jets thing, mainly just to, as a hedge on the Brees Hall injury and the injury timeline. But at the same time, I think Nathaniel Hackett has shown that he works better with a running back by committee. In Denver, they had uh, Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, and they were splitting most of the carries. I think Javante Williams got the lion's share, but they were still splitting share carries, I think like 60-30, 65-35. But I think I get it in terms of just adding another body into that backfield, giving them someone where you don't have to give a guy 30, 40-plus touches 
to maximize his efficiency because then he'll start to wear down near the end of the season. And that's probably where during the time you're going to start making a playoff push. Um, I do think it's very interesting that Dalvin Cook hasn't been signed yet because, like you said, the whole thing with running backs has been very, very wild. Like, I think we're starting to see the the analytical, like, thoughts about running backs in the league now. We're starting to see that come to a head when it comes to the contract discussions. And even with guys like Josh Jacobs, who is a major part of the reason why that offense worked the way it did in, in Las Vegas – I think we're starting to see now what where the NFL is going when it comes to running back pay, especially when it comes to negotiation time. So it's going to be interesting, especially what happens with Dalvin Cook and especially what happens with Jonathan Taylor, because Jim Irsay has kind of pretty much said, like, nothing matters. Eat at Arby's. Who cares if Jonathan Taylor's on the Colts or not? Who cares if I die? Like, we're going like full nihilist Jim Irsay here, which is something I didn't expect to say at the beginning of the season. And, and- Building off of that, what do you do if you're Chris Ballard now? Like, <laughs> how do you do your job? What do you do next spring when you're like, hey, come side with us, come side with the Indianapolis Colts? And the agent you're talking to is like, um, I talked to my client and he basically just wonders if he's, you know, gonna be incinerated or something. Does anything even matter? He don't Arby's anymore. Like it was just a very dark, you know, and the whole like playing in the NFL and being in the NFL is a privilege, like. Okay, we get it, Jim. Like, but at the same time, this is one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and you're thinking about breaking in a rookie quarterback. Like, it'd be nice to have Jonathan Taylor in the fold and not doubted Miami, you know, playing with Tua. Like, so, and you know, then then there's Saquon too in this whole running back discussion because you know part of the you know the idea behind the running back position right now is most of their contributions come in the run game. Clearly, not as efficient and explosive as the passing game. Saquon Barkley led the Giants in targets last year i mean he was a big part of their receiving game and joe shannon company just got like all right well great if you could have a career year maybe we'll get you a million more than this than the franchise tag and one of those you know qualifications is we're going to make the playoffs for at least the 1300 yards rushing which is something he hasn't done well i think since his rookie year he hasn't hit those kind of numbers he had a good year last year but you know, not these kind of contract incentive numbers. And so, yeah, the running back position discussion is is going to be a, a massive story this year. And JP and I have talked about this. We're also wondering if we see this shift back towards bigger football, 12 personnel with two tight ends, more 21 personnel with, you know, two running backs in the backfield. Does the discussion just sort of shift naturally as the cycle, you know, the cyclical nature of football shifts back. We've been spread, fast, light, light boxes. That's been the story of the past couple of years. Does that shift back with teams like the Bills? We talked about might be 12 personnel, Pittsburgh, New England. We might see a bit more of bully ball in the NFL this year, which might help running backs down the road. Do you guys think that Saquon's decision in a way hindered the running back movement what was like, that zoom call like i need to know because they happened. had that zoom call then the, like two days later he's like all right i'm, I'm taking this deal i didn't yeah, know what happened you. on that zoom call i didn't know what happened inside that bus with jim ursay and jonathan taylor for jonathan taylor to immediately get off the bus and be like yeah trade me dog yeah, I'm out. <laughs> like i'm out of here but i do think it kind of hindered running backs running back contracts a little bit because all the incentives are tied to if the Giants make the playoffs or if the Giants win X amount of games. You didn't. You can get any incentives tied to personal performance. Now you're in, you're tying this onto the back of a Giants team that 
is going to be, while they're going to be a little better, they're also going to be facing a whole lot more difficult of a schedule with everybody else in the NFC getting better. So I do wonder what the long term of that contract is really going to do for Saquon Barkley. But there's no doubting like how effective Saquon Barkley, he was that offense. I think as, even with Jonathan Taylor, he he is that offense. He he was that entire offense in 2021 when they made the playoffs. They made it off of Jonathan Taylor rushing for I believe it was like three and a half yards after contact. Like that's that's really the biggest thing there. Like last year, the offense suffered through very bad quarterback play and regression from Quentin Nelson, who they paid a lot of money. They paid a lot of money to Quentin Nelson beforehand, and I just don't see how you can go into the season with a rookie quarterback whose biggest knock was he didn't play enough games. How are you going to go into the season with him possibly starting every game and not trying to maximize the, the effectiveness of your offense and widen the margin for error for him while not having the best player on the offense on the field? It's very, very weird, very, very dumb thinking by the Colts. I just know Chris Ballard is extremely mad seeing Jim Irsay tweet. He just wants to like punch a wall, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens, especially like what Mark said. I feel like a big boy growing on the roof offense is going to come back this year. I think we're going to have a lot of 21 personnel, a lot of 12 personnel. We have a lot of bigger bodies up front. I, I think we're going to start seeing that, especially when it comes to the NFL draft and prospects coming up. You know, So it's going to be interesting to see how that schematic shifts goes back around the cycle. You know, Like I was telling the guys in the Slack, it feels like we're headed back towards 2006. With NFL offenses and defenses, a lot of Tampa too, a lot of bigger guys up front. It is going to be interesting to see what happens. I don't think we're going to get to the point of um, ball carrier getting like 35 carries a game like we did in 2006, but it'll, it'll be interesting to see how the run game kind of makes its way back into the NFL after kind of being phased out for a few years. And now I'm going to have to spend the next like hour watching that video again, because anytime big boy grilling on the roof gets dropped in, I do nothing but drop everything that I'm doing and watch that. Cause it's one of my favorite things ever. So good. And JP, I know you already kind of wrote on this, but the Rams t-shirts that they, I think you wrote the article on this. <laughs> they debuted at training camp. I feel so bad for whoever came up with this idea because I could just see them like, oh, this is great. Like, this is going to hit. And they completely, like you said, they got roasted on social media. And so it's just very, very disappointing. Like you mentioned, it was kind of like a pre-K slogan. I just don't know who thought of this idea and thought it was going to go well. I don't feel bad for whoever came up with this idea because this idea stinks. <laughs> like, I don't know who thought, like, the blue shirt mentally and physically tough players who play smart and love to compete. First of all, if your slogan is over four words, don't put it on a t-shirt. The wording is going to be too close together. It looks like you you made one of those Facebook uh, ad shirts where it's like, I am a service, like service car mechanic who loves God and my wife, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Uh, that shirt stinks. Nobody buys that shirt. You don't see somebody wearing that shirt out in public. What what are you going to be thinking? You're in Los Angeles, California. Imagine what somebody's going to be doing walking around the walking around LA wearing a mentally and physically tough players who play smart and love to compete shirt. Like, what are, what are you doing? So shorten that down. Also, you don't need to have players who play smart and love to compete as well as mentally and physically tough players, because that implies people who play smart are mentally tough 
love to compete, are physically tough. You don't have to have both of those at the same time. I don't know who thought of this, but it, it did not need to be printed. I don't know who thought of this and was like, yeah, we're going to kill it with this one. You can really tell that some people just don't have an eye for like. And you would think multiple people would be on the team. They need a focus they group. They were clearly yeah. like, oh, yeah, this is fire. Yeah, they like, need a focus group. They need they need players to look at these and be like, hey, man, this is not, this isn't good. I'm not wearing this. This looks like a high school shirt. This is like something you, this is like something that a 6 day high school in California would wear. The model the way shirt, I feel like is a little better, but that's only got three words and it's an aerial bold font. Like, what are you doing here? This is like bare minimum effort. And they just slap the LA over it. Come on, you're a professional franchise, man. Like you be be serious for once. Well, I mean, maybe they spent all of their like social marketing and ad budget on some of the videos they've done lately because they've had some incredible content for like schedule release. They've had you know the draft stuff where they had like this whole like Ocean's Eleven thing going on. Like they did some really cool stuff there. I want to shout out JP's Jags. Do you see those thirty first shirts? Yes, those are pretty nice because. You know, they were ranked like 31st, their offensive line and pass rush, pass block win rate. Um, and so they saw that and just put like 31st in like this like fire type logo and, and font. And that's it. And basically everybody's wearing them like their press. Taylor was wearing them. Everybody's been wearing them down in Jacksonville. It's simple. It's to the point. Like it's an exact, you know, opposite of what JP's talking about, which is like you can't put a paragraph on a T-shirt. Like it just doesn't work. Shirts are better when they're petty. When you yeah. have something that when you are a hater and you can put something that you hate on a shirt and then use it as motivation, that's what makes a shirt a whole lot better. It's like when LeBron at the uh, at the uh, Cavs championship parade wore the Ultimate Warriors shirt after the uh, beating the, beating the Warriors. That's being a hater. That's being petty. That's the best shirt that you can wear. We need more teams. We need more teams being haters. We need villains in the NFL now. Tom Brady's yeah. on. What we were just talking about this, JP. Like, are, are the Niners the next villains of the NFL? And if so, don't we kind of need that? We we need a villain. I think the Niners can be the best villain because it feels like the Eagles have kind of made themselves up to be like the NFC's version of the heroes now. It's not going to be the Cowboys. Nobody actually, like, cares enough about the Cowboys to – Oh, wow. I'm so glad you dropped that when RJ I, isn't I here. I, I, made, oh, right. I said a lot of nice stuff about the Cowboys <laughs> last week. I'm going to completely throw that out the window. JP's heel turn. I'm throwing out all that goodwill. But <laughs> you, you, need, you need a villain. And you need a villain for somebody, for teams that really, like, make people actually, like, feel positive towards them. The Eagles are, are that team that, can, that people can feel positive about. Jalen Hurts is objectively very cool. He's a very cool person. Um, Nick Sirianni, incredibly Italian. I think people kind of like the incredibly Italian vibes. The offense rocks. AJ Brown's a cool player. The the villains have to be the Niners because the Niners are a bunch of haters, especially with the way that they've been talking after the Eagles uh, championship NFC Championship game and all the uh, going back and forth. We need rivalries. I feel like in the AFC, you have Chiefs-Bengals, which is kind of the next big AFC rivalry, which is headlined by the quarterbacks. Well, headlined by the quarterbacks is fine. That's cool. You need, you need rivalries that are based on hatred. Like We, we need more anger in rivalries. That's, that's really what's going to sell like games. Like Of course, like people want to come see the cool quarterbacks, but in reality, like we want to see guys like get mad and get angry at each other. Like that's, that's really what we need to see. So I think the Niners can be the perfect villains for this NFL, this upcoming NFL season. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think Eagles. 
Uh, what do you guys think of the Kelly Green alternate jerseys? Oh, those are fire, man. Beautiful. I mean, you had people lining up at like three in the morning, and I get yeah. it. Like, I'm yeah. not an Eagles fan, but I might have to get something with a Kelly Green on it just because it's yeah, so too. awesome. I'm definitely getting something. We need to reject modernity. Go back, go back to the tr- the retro unis. The yeah. Oilers uniforms, even though Tennessee is not Houston, don't yeah, don't I mean me, do not tell me that they were the Oilers before they came to Titans. You got rid of Houston and the Oilers. You cannot be you cannot be both at the same time. Although I do think it's funny that they're playing the Texans. Yeah, that's that. incredible. That is the funniest thing ever. They should they should only wear those against the Texans. Like just just get, be real mean. Yeah, but like the old school Broncos with the orange, like old school New England. Obviously, I love Pat Patriot. Like you know, bring back some of that stuff, man. I love. We it. need the real retro unis. I think the Jets are bringing back the old retros. Yeah, for a few games, and then the Dolphins always wear their old retros like multiple times in the season. We just need to go back to the retro unis. And I think and the, the Seahawks, G- the Seahawks. Yes, with their, with their blue ones, which are so clean. Yeah. We just need to go back to those being permanent. I think uh, Josh Sweat said they need to uh, go with the Kelly Greens for the full. They need to make those the permanent uni and then just wear the black ones as an alternate. I'm fully behind that. That should be a thing. You should you should not have to wear you should not wear those dark green unis again. Although they're cool, the Kelly they're Greens nice, are so much but better. Kelly Greens, that's Bye. classic. Bye. Yeah. But yeah. That's going to be all for today's episode. Unless you guys had had anything else you wanted to drop before we wrap up. Anything else, guys? Uh, We all stayed up later, getting up early to watch the U.S. Women's National Team at 3 a.m. Ooh. It's going to be fun. I'm going to be burning the midnight oil. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be sticking around for that one. I don't know if I'm going to make that. I have to grab a coffee and not feel my arms and legs for a couple of hours. All right. JP had his first experience with – I yeah. I normally don't drink coffee. I've never had coffee. I had coffee for the first time last week. It okay. felt I told I told everybody in the chat, it felt like my brain was working in HD. Like it was incredible. I felt everything zoom in and yeah. I just could I couldn't sit down for like 20 minutes. Yeah. I just I just started like doing laundry like for like 30 minutes to an hour just because like I needed to do something. I walked outside. <laughs> I had like a latte or something, but okay. I walked outside on the balcony and just kind of just stood there. Like I felt okay. like that uh, that meme from Narcos where Pablo Escobar just like standing outside. That's really just what I was doing. I was just standing outside. I couldn't sit down because I just get right back up again. I had to do something. So I was walking around for like an hour, just kind of just trying to find stuff to do because my body was working on th- on like 2x speed like I was watching like a YouTube video. What? That's a crazy experience. As some of it's always over caffeinated. I get it. <laughs> I can't relate to that one at all. Like I might get like a during the fall season like uh Starbucks has like a chai latte like iced chai latte with pumpkin foam. I'll get that. But other than that, I'm not really super big on it either. So I get it. But yeah. Yeah, the- I'm the exact opposite. I have <laughs> way too much caffeine on a given day. It's probably not good for me, but, you know, keeps yeah. me moving, I guess. Yeah. I have a latte and then, like, swanton bomb, like, Jeff Hardy into the pool. <laughs> Although our good friend James Dater told us about his little trick, which is to, like, down a cappuccino and take a nap, like, immediately. 
Okay. He calls it like his coffee cappuccino nap trick because like it doesn't hit right away. And so you get to sleep for like 45 minutes to an hour, then boom, the caffeine kicks in, wakes you up, and you're ready to go. I might have to try that sometime. Yeah. That is that is working around it. That's real, that's really smart. That See, is so smart. James Let's knows know what works. Yeah, James knows what he's doing. Like, okay. Uh, I I want to write a book, like you know, the towel of James or something like that. <laughs> because the man knows what he's doing. We gotta okay. we gotta run that by a towel of James. Yeah, I do like that idea. Yeah. But the moment that we've all been waiting for is finally here. This is you guys' first MF double and well, not for JP, but Mark for you for the option to be awarded. And so MF double MVP today. I think you guys were absolutely amazing. I am so excited for the upcoming episodes because you guys like literally hit it out the park today. And so I'm going to give it to... I'm gonna give it to JP again today. Oh, we went back to back. Let's go. Back to back. That's we'll great. see how it is when RJ gets back and you know the upcoming weeks. But I think you did a great job today. Both of you did. Thank you both for you know being available and being a part of my new Monday Football Monday crew. So we need a speech, you know. Give it to us. Oh boy, on the spot for a speech. You know, <laughs> yeah. all back to back. I feel feel pretty happy, feel pretty proud of this accomplishment. This is the greatest accomplishment I've had since winning like seventh grade youth basketball MVP. This is my greatest, my single greatest accomplishment. Um, want to thank everybody. I want to thank, uh, thank you guys for making this a really fun show. I'm really excited to come back, come back on Beyond Monday Football Monday. We're gonna have so much more fun, especially mm -hmm. when RJ gets back and he'll hear this little rant I went on about the Cowboys and nobody cared about him, and we will have a whole bunch of fun. But Thank you guys again so much. Shout out to my mom, real MVP. Shout out to my dad who's probably going to listen to this and talk to me about everything that I said the next 30 minutes. But I'm excited to have I'm excited to keep doing this. Thank you. I have to record that for posterity. Big time speech right there. <laughs> I love it, love it, love it. And as we get out of here, Mark, let us know what you plan to have for lunch today. What do I plan to have for lunch? Yeah. Um, probably leftovers. We've okay. got like leftover. We got pizza, um, this weekend. So I'm probably going to okay. have some of that. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, I got to clear out space in the fridge. It's like overwhelming with leftovers right now. So that's my plan. Nice. Alrighty. We're out of here.